Welcome to Houseplant Homebody. I'm your host, Holly, and I am here to tell you all about my favorite thing, plants. You ready? Thank you for tuning in to our fourth episode on June 2nd, 2020. It is our first landscape plant bio episode, and we will be talking about the beautiful and, in my opinion, very underused Baptisia. If you want to see more from Houseplant Homebody, you can find me at Houseplant Homebody on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and YouTube. Or visit my website where you can find all of those links at www.houseplant-homebody.com. Also, join me on Patreon for exclusive podcasts and YouTube episodes, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. Let's dive in. The Baptisia, in my opinion, is one of the most beautiful and underused plants that you could use in the Midwest as a landscape plant. Really? Anywhere. You can use it in the Midwest, you can use it in the South, Southeast, East, several places. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But they are a very, very long-lived plant with extraordinary color in the spring and summer, depending on what variety you're getting. It's commonly known as false indigo or blue indigo or wild indigo. And Baptisia is actually derived from a Greek word called bapto, meaning dye. Not like dye dead, but like dye color. <laughs> so some of the species were used as an inferior color substance. These babies are actually native in eastern North America, anywhere from Pennsylvania to Georgia. Their hardiness zone is anywhere from 3 to 9. And according to Steve M. Still of the Manual of Ornamental Plants, he says they thrive in zone 8. That being said, they wouldn't be zoned 3 to 9 if they weren't hardy in all those other zones as well. The Baptisia is part of the legume family, which is called the Fabaceae family. Fabaceae. That's fun to say. Anyway, the other plants in the Fabaceae family are soybeans, lentils, peanuts, locust trees, redbud trees, wisteria, and lupine. So now I'm going to talk about the different species, whether they're native or hybrids that come in different forms of the Baptisia. So I'm going to give more of a detailed explanation of the names and the differences between them, at least that I could find online on my website when I post about this podcast. But I'll go over generally the differences between the different native species and the difference between the hybrid species. So there are several of the native species that are more upright growers. They're a little bit larger, anywhere from four to six feet in maturity. Those tend to have flowers that are white or purple or different shades of purple. There are also varieties that are very small and almost mounding and the flowers aren't upright. They hang over more. Those are less common than the more upright varieties you see. There is also one, particularly the name is called Eucalyptus Wild Indigo. This one is a very small growing one that actually looks like eucalyptus leaves instead of a normal Baptisia leaf. And the last related species derived from some of the native ones is another version of the Baptisia that actually has a smaller flower and the flowers are much more sparse, whereas the other varieties tend to have more of a cone-shaped clump of flowers, if that makes sense. Similar to like a lupine or a wisteria. 
So just a reminder, I'll post all the Latin names of the varieties that we just talked about on my website when I post about my podcast. So now let's talk about the hybrid species that you actually see a lot more in garden centers, greenhouses, and nurseries around the country. There are two different hybrid groups that are owned by two different companies. One is the Prairie Blues series, which is created by the Chicagoland Grows Company. This one has different varieties such as Solar Flare, which has a yellow progressing to almost an orange apricot color, the Midnight Cultivar, which is just a very, very dark, deep purple, and the Twilight Cultivar, which is a purple and yellow flower, which is beautiful, by the way. So those are kind of the three main ones that I've seen floating around at different greenhouses and that we've had at the garden center I worked at that are the Prairie Blues series by the Chicagoland Grows Company. The next series is called the Decadent series. This one is also very popular and cultivated by the Walters Gardens Company. There are a lot more varieties that I have seen and that I've seen online as well. So. I'm going to name a few. It's going to go fast, so get ready. So, Sparkling Sapphires is more of a deep purple. Dark Chocolate is more of a really deep, deep purple, almost brown. Deluxe Pink Truffles, how cute is that? It's obviously pink. Vanilla Cream is more of an off-white, creamy white. Cherry's Jubilee is one of my favorites. It almost looks like apricot orange yellow color with a little bit of burgundy thrown in there. Blueberry Sunday is just kind of a purple, medium purple. Deluxe Pink Lemonade is so cool. It is a yellow that progresses to pink. Like what? That's so cool. And then they have one called Lemon Meringue, which is a bright, bright yellow. All amazing plants. I keep saying everything's beautiful, but that's because I just love this plant. <laughs> so those are the main hybrids that you'll see in most garden centers. We've had probably a few of the Decadence ones. The Deluxe Pink Truffles, Dark Chocolate, Deluxe Pink Lemonade are all a little bit more new cultivars versus the Lemon Meringue, Blueberry Sundae, Vanilla Cream, Sparkling Sapphires. Those have been around a little bit longer, so we've had those in our garden center before, but the other ones are a little bit harder to find. Okay, now that I talked your ear off about all the different cultivars and hybrids and names that are out there, let's talk about the care for these plants. So the Baptisia does prefer to be in full sun. They can handle a little bit of a partial sun, but if they're in too much shade, they may not bloom at all, or they may not be as prolifically blooming as they would in full sun. These perennials are completely drought tolerant once they're established, but they can handle anywhere from a medium to dry location or type of soil. As a perennial, it's always good to fertilize any of your plants in general. So for this one, really all you need is a slow-release fertilizer in spring when the new growth appears. The flowers on the Baptisia are one of the statement pieces of this plant. So typically they bloom mid to late spring and some of the varieties bloom into summer. Most of the flowers are upright flower clusters, similar to a lupine, which I think I now mentioned three times. (laughs) But there are some that are flower clusters that kind of hang down, and that's one of the more native species that I talked about earlier. 
to encourage more flower blooming, you can pinch off the old flowers before they form seeds, and this can help make the plant bloom twice. So it could bloom again a little bit later in the season. If you don't want to do that and you don't necessarily care about that, these actually have very, very showy seed pods that rattle in the wind when they dry out. And they're great for dried flower arrangements if you want to use them like that. They're also great winter interest too if you want to leave those seeds up through winter. Another thing you can do with the flowers is actually use them as cut flowers. So instead of pinching them off to get more flowers or seeing them as seed pods later in the season, you can cut them down and use them in your own house in beautiful arrangements. And they produce enough flowers that you could totally get a really, really nice bouquet or two of the flowers once they get a little bit more mature. These plants typically are not major attractors to pests and diseases, so that's wonderful. After this plant blooms, the foliage is killer too and always remains in great condition throughout the season. It actually can provide a really pretty background foliage for shorter blooming perennials or even ground cover in front of it. Because it's so beautiful, it's actually mistaken for a shrub quite often because of the typical size it gets and how full it is. Since it does get so big, Sometimes the plant does need some help standing up, similar to how a peony does when it blooms. So you can use a peony cage or you can tie up the plant if it's getting too top heavy. Most of the time you'll see a plant struggling to stay up in more of shady conditions just because the plant isn't getting all the nutrients from the sun it needs. So since these blooms are so big and beautiful, it does attract butterflies. I know it sometimes blooms a little early in the season, but butterflies rely on it and bees rely on it as well. This plant is also deer resistant. I always warn people that if you're going to buy a deer resistant plant, just know that deer will basically eat anything if they're hungry. So even though a plant says it's deer resistant, it doesn't 100% guarantee that it is. So just keep that in mind. The Baptisia also grows with very deep roots, which doesn't really allow for a lot of transplanting or dividing easily. Both of those things can happen. It's just a lot more difficult and it could harm the plant more than usual. This plant is super easy to maintain. All you have to do is cut it back in fall and you can basically cut it almost all the way down to the soil level and it will be fine. To prove how awesome this plant is, this Baptisia was selected as the Perennial Plant Association's 2010 Plant of the Year. I understand it's 2020 now, but that doesn't matter. It was still Plant of the Year. And did you know the Chicago Botanic Garden now holds the National Collection of Baptisia recognized by the Plant Collections Network of the American Public Gardens Association? Wow. I've seen them there too, and they're beautiful. The Chicago Botanical Collection includes over 60 varieties and more than 9,000 individual plants. Crazy! I saw them in a couple different places. I saw one growing kind of natively within one garden and then I also saw some of them growing in kind of their experimental garden area and they had a bunch of different cultivars and hybrids and it looked like they were just testing how they were going to grow. It was beautiful. That's probably where my obsession came from because I saw them so maturely at the Chicago Botanic Gardens. 
And as a side note, I would highly recommend going to visit the Chicago Botanic Garden. I had a membership there for a while, and if, if you went like two or three times, it paid for itself. And the amount of time you can spend there just looking at different flowers and varieties, it was awesome. They also had a bunch of different greenhouses for like desert, arid, and temperate climates with tropicals and different kind of houseplant varieties in them. They also have a really, really cool bonsai garden. This is not sponsored by Chicago Botanic Garden, but I thought I'd share since we're talking about the Baptisia collection at Chicago Botanic. All right, let's recap Baptisia. So they prefer to be in full sun and they are drought tolerant once established. They have Flowers that range from shades of white, orange, yellow, purple, and pink. So basically, if you're looking for a flower color, certain one, you can probably find it out of one of those cultivars. The blooms are beautiful, but the foliage is also just as beautiful. And since the actual plant cultivars, hybrids, and native plants comes in all sorts of different sizes and styles, you'll be able to find exactly which one would fit your needs. The Decadent series and the Prairie Blue series are probably the most commonly found in different garden centers, which tend to be the more upright growers that range from 3 to 5 feet. I believe these plants are majorly underused, and if you want to see these guys in action with all the different colors and varieties, I would highly recommend checking them out at the Chicago Botanic Garden. Thank you so much for listening to the fourth episode of Houseplant Homebody all about Baptisia. I'm beyond excited to not only bring you bios on houseplants, but amazing landscape plants that you can use in your own yard. And this is just a reminder that you can find more at Houseplant Homebody on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and YouTube. Or visit my website where you can find all of those links at www.houseplant-homebody.com. And don't forget to join me on Patreon for exclusive podcasts and YouTube episodes, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. Your support means the world and I can't wait to bring you guys more and more plant bios and info. Don't forget to check back every Tuesday for new podcasts and YouTube episodes. From one houseplant homebody to another, see you next time. Testing, testing. I chose the wrong microphone last time, so hope this is right. And Baptisia is actually derived from a Greek, a Greek wood. <laughs> Oh, a Greek word. Oh my God, words. Oh. Baptisia is part of the legume fam- family. Legume family? Fam- okay, I can't pronounce legume and I can't pronounce family. So let's try this again. Legume, legume, fa- legume family. <laughs> the Baptisia is part, oh God. I say it again. I get them mixed up because I've called it Baptisia for the longest time and then I learned it's called Baptisia. So, let's do this over.